Hello and welcome to the Mindful Men podcast, the show helping men to open up about manhood. My name is Simon Rennie and my aim is to get men talking. From mental health to fatherhood and everything in between, Mindful Men creates a safe space for conversation. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you for joining me. It means a world for you to join me and talk about men's issues. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe and share the episode with your mates. You can also join the conversation on Instagram and YouTube, and I'd love to connect with you there. But for now, sit back, relax, and let's get mindful. G'day guys, and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Men podcast. My name is Simon Rinney, and I'm the man behind Mindful Men. I'm really excited today because we're going to be talking about something that's dear to my heart and it's mental health and a different type of mental health support as in a recovery coach. And today I've got Jake O'Halloran with me in Melbourne, Victoria. How are you going, Jake? Yeah, well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Um, and Jake, you're part of One Good Day. It's a recovery coach um, support service down in Melbourne. That's right? Yeah, correct. Um, I believe we've now got recovery coaches in nearly every state in Australia now, apart from Northern Territory. Oh, cool. So we'll go into that in a little while and, and really explore what a recovery coach is and what they can do for people. Um, but before yep. we get started into that, I'd love to hear a bit about your story and, and how you came to, to be where you are today and maybe where you grew up and some of the things that you've seen and heard and, and learnt along the way. Yeah, sure. Um, so a, a brief summary of sort of my upbringing. Um, I was born in Wagga in New South Wales, so a bit of a um, smaller rural country town, um, population of roughly about 80,000. Um, that's probably on the maximum side of things. Um, so I sort of grew up there, um, did all my schooling, um, my, all, my, my university degree there. Um, so I've, I've done my bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, so I studied there and um, sort of got to the stage where I wanted to, to challenge myself again. Um, so I decided to, to pack myself up and um, move by myself to, to Melbourne. So um, it was a good little adjustment period there, um, but it's, I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah. What was it like going from country to city? Um, fairly intimidating. Um, I sort of had to, you know, it's one of those times where you've got to lean on the people that you trust and, you know, sort of talk things through and say, look, am I making the right decision for myself? Am I, um, you know, doing something silly going out on a limb here? But um, I think it's worked out quite well for me. Um, obviously still not used to the traffic, um, <laughs> but I, I probably never will be. As, yeah, a, hook, as a country turns. boy so the last time i was in melbourne i had to get used to hook turns i've never seen that before so yeah no not enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> and before you moved to, to melbourne did you know anybody that lived in melbourne or was it just you on your own and had to figure it out yourself uh no so i've, I've got a couple of um close friends um that i grew up with in wagga um, that had moved to melbourne um for uni yeah. um and had stayed in melbourne um, so I've sort of been able to reconnect with them. Um, so that's been great. And I've become really good friends with their friends um, yeah. from Melbourne. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been a really positive sort of lifestyle change for me so far. And um, yeah, sort of looking forward to, to seeing what else 
sort of comes of it. Yeah, and would you ever go back to Wagga? Only to visit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, still got lots of family and friends in Wagga, so it's still um, a place that's quite dear um, to my heart. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think now that I've adjusted somewhat to the, the, life, the city lifestyle, I don't think I could go back to, to Wagga. You mentioned before that you've done your psych degree. Yep. Um, so tell us a bit about why you chose psychology, like going through high school, was it on your mind that you wanted to help people with mental health or was it something that you kind of just landed in or how did that come about? Yeah. So a bit of both really, um, obviously going through, you know, a bit of my own lived experience in the early days of high school, um, sort of, that was the first time I sort of really acknowledged within myself that, okay, something's wrong. Like I shouldn't be this sad all the time um and sort of had to actually acknowledge and say okay something's wrong here um i need to actually speak to someone about it um and so i've always been interested in sort of how the mind controls the body and your actions and your lifestyle um because at the end of the day you can be you can be the biggest and strongest person man woman in the world um, but if you're not right inside of your own mind and in your mental health um, it's it's all for naught really um, but it sort of it was a bit of a mixed thing so I sort of tossed up between wanting to you know really hone in on mental health um, but I also liked the the sports um, and performance side of things as well so um, I've really tossed up between you know wanting to be um, you know, like a psychologist um, and help people with these, those issues um, or if I wanted to do sports psychology um, and sort of follow that line. But, yeah, it's look, it's, it's a very um, interesting um, sort of field to be involved in. Um, it can be quite challenging, um, but it's also quite rewarding at the same time, yeah. especially when you're sort of seeing positive changes that you're making in people's lives. Yeah. You touched on uh, a bit of uh, lived experience there in high school, and um, yep. what's what's some of the things if you if you're happy to share that you were going through, um, and how did you work through that during high school, or didn't you work through it? Um, I think it sort of really came out probably that transition from year six to year seven going into high school. Um, I sort of realised I was probably um, quite unmotivated um, and sad more often than not mm -hmm. um, and it sort of got to the stage where I think my parents had sort of picked up on it as well um, and it sort of took me admitting okay something's you know not quite right here um, to, to actually as much as I didn't want to um, reach out and access counselling for the first time and that sort of thing um, it, yeah it really sort of presented itself as being sad and unmotivated and um, I think I was starting to put on quite a bit of weight Mm -hmm. because I wasn't you know like um wasn't playing sports or something which is something I've always enjoyed um and yeah it really took I guess acknowledging it and addressing it to actually realize that there was something you know not quite right um to be able to make that change and you know uh, get on the track to be to being happy again yeah I think at year six and seven, that age would be a very hard thing to acknowledge, I think, even, yeah. even understand what was going on. And a lot, of, a lot of people, myself included, you know, sit with it in silence for many, many years, if not decades. Mm -hmm. But for you to do it so young, 
you must have had some pretty strong support from your parents or other people around you to, to help you recognize it yeah definitely i think um my parents have always been always been great with that sort of thing and you know um wanting me to be happy and healthy um so um you know support networks um if you have them if you're lucky enough to have them can be invaluable um to to making sure that you know um you're doing okay um and living the most sort of fulfilling life that you can um yeah so i think that's sort of leaning into the recovery coaching as well it's just another sort of part or fragment of your support network that you can add yeah. so yeah it's quite a rewarding role and when you in that year six and seven mode did you see a counselor or a psychologist like what was your your journey through that recovery process yeah so i um i won't say i enjoyed it um as sort of the typical male i don't overly enjoy talking about my feelings still to this day mm -hmm. um but I, I went through a few sessions of counseling um and you know probably at the start wasn't too receptive to it um but as it sort of went along I sort of realized okay you know it, it is quite rewarding to to talk to someone um, and not be judged i think mm -hmm. that's the most important thing um, especially as men and even today I think um, it's sort of the the general conception that it's 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 you know somewhat weak as a man to to talk about your feelings um, so yeah I you know I would suggest um, and um, yeah the the counseling is just completely invaluable if you're ever going through something just give it a go like just yeah. try it yeah and it's it's, I guess, when we think about mental health recovery or mental health support, um, psychosocial disability or psychosocial support, we think psychologists, psychiatrists, pretty much counselling, and to a lesser extent, uh, mental health social workers as well. But then recovery coaches has popped on my radar, say, the last 12 months I've started to, to hear about recovery coaching. Um, I'm not sure how long it's been around. Do you know much about the history of recovery coaching? Is this a relatively new support? Yeah, yeah. So it is quite a new support to the NDIS. Um, I'd say probably within the last two years, if that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's quite a new field. Um, but the the sort of feedback um, of recovery coaching has been outstanding. Um, as sort of within my own organisation, one good day, um, they've already expanded to um, to nearly all of the states in Australia um, over the course of about a year and a half. Um, so it is it's very quickly growing um, and it's popping up on more and more um, sort of NDIS plans and recovery plans and it, it's yeah just all the feedback's just been great yeah it's helped a lot of people so far for people that are not familiar with the NDIS can you give us a bit of a rundown as to, to what that is yeah so essentially the NDIS is uh, it's a government scheme um, that grants um, funding um, for people with disabilities, whether that be physical or psychological, or in this case, psychosocial. Um, so that can range from anything. A lot of my clients sort of will struggle with depression, anxiety, uh, schizophrenia, um, and even acquired brain injuries. Um, so essentially that's, um, that's funding that people can access, um, you know, to help them on their recovery journey and their day-to-day -day life. Wow. It's an amazing, it sounds like it sounds amazing to fact that 
people out there that might be living with some of these conditions might be eligible for some government funding to help support recovery. Because um, outside of that, you've got what the mental health system. So you go to your GP, you might get a mental health care plan, um, or you're privately paying, or if you happen to be part of Veterans Affairs, you might be able to get some support through that kind of system as well. But this, this sounds like it's, is it disability specific or can anybody access a recovery coach? Um, so at this stage, I believe it's uh, disability specific, mm -hmm. um, but I always suggest um, that people go to their GP and get a mental health plan. Mm -hmm. um, so as, as I'm sure you know, a mental health plan um, entitles you to, I think it's 10 free sessions of counselling. Um, and uh, those 10 sessions can make an absolute world of difference. Mm. Definitely with having access to supports that are available, either subsidised or I think in some cases it's free in, in certain cases yeah. as well. Um, it's certainly in, invaluable. And now that I guess we've got the recovery coaching through the NDIS, is it's just another avenue for people to get support. And I guess for people to think that, you know, if you're thinking about mental, mental health and mental illness, some people might not recognise that that might meet disability criteria as well. Um, how yeah. would people find out about whether or not they're eligible for something like that? Um, usually they go through like a, a support network. Um, so most people have um, like a um, local area coordinator. Um, so there's lots of organisations that, you know, will, will, will meet with people um, that, are, that aren't doing too well at the time um, and sort of try and get a gauge of whether or not, um, you know, funding through the NDIS would be possible. So I, I think if you're ever up in the air about, you know, whether you are or aren't eligible, it's always worth going to check yeah. um, because if, if, you, um, if you can get accepted for an NDIS plan, it can absolutely change your life. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that, that can add to those plans that, you know, can just, just turn into to positive outcomes for you and, you know, usually um, positive changes in your life. So yeah. it's definitely worth sort of, um, you know, even if you're a bit 50-50 about whether you're eligible, um, if you feel like your mental health um, or you, if you've got a condition um, and it's debilitating on your day-to-day -day life, it's definitely more than 100% um, worth checking. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you went through psychology. So how did you land? Yep. A lot of people, when they finish psychology, they might go into a, like a private practice or the public system and do psychology there so how did you kind of transition from psychology into into recovery coaching yeah so obviously um first i went to um the foster care system um so worked as a, a permanency case manager there um for two and a bit years um and sort of um you know like case managed um children and families in foster care systems so um, there was lots of, um, I guess, challenging times through that. Um, but I've, I felt where um, the part of that job that sort of I felt was missing was, you know, the quality time that you actually can spend with people and, and talk to people um, to try and make a difference. It was very much sort of just waiting for something to happen and then reporting on it and then dealing with the outcome um, rather than, you know, helping to aid their their recovery journey and making yeah. positive changes um so i think um coming to melbourne when i saw um, this sort of pop up it was very much along sort of the lines of what i 
you know aspired to to do and to help people with so that's very much been um sort of yeah in line with my own personal sort of wants so but yeah i've 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 really enjoyed it so far and um even just in the short few months that i've i've been working as a recovery coach um have already been able to sort of help quite a few people and sort of make some positive changes so it's been quite rewarding awesome could you I guess describe without we don't want to talk about client specific um information but kind of like an average day in the life of a recovery coach like what would a day look like for you yeah so my days um i try to be as flexible as possible um they're very tailored to what my clients have going on at the moment so um a, a normal day could include um like traveling to see clients um and even if it's just to you know um, have a have a cup of tea and sit down and talk through um, and give them the opportunity to feel as though they're heard um, and give them the opportunity to vent and that sort of thing and um, that's always rewarding I um, I think that's probably the best part of the job is getting to um, you know share those those conversations with with people because um, I often find they have um, great insight um, and they're very resilient Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great to sort of, um, you know, whilst I'm imparting, you know, a bit of advice and uh, my opinion to them, it's great to hear what they have to say. And um, I think it's already led to some positive changes in my own life. Yeah. Um, apart from that, there's a lot of, um, I guess, coordination of supports. So like I'll set up um, support workers, um, like cleaning, gardening, referrals to OTs, um, GPs, all that sort of thing. So lots of admin work as well. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's lots of I, I guess quality time with clients, um, and that can be in person, over the computer, or over the phone. It's you know just really depends what the client's comfortable with. Yeah. And do you ever find like you're drawing from your psychology background when you're doing some of these these chats over a cup of tea, or do you do you find yourself pulling some of these theories out and and you know practices out? Yeah, I, I think you sort of you really have to pick and choose um, with psychology. Um, there's there's a lot of outdated <laughs> theories that we that you sort of learn about in uni, and you sort of you've got to take the positives out of those and um, sort of discard the stuff that's not really relevant anymore um but yeah i I guess um the best part about recovery coaching is you sort of get to bring your own personality um and your own spin so um my personal strategy is i like to to focus on um, people's strengths Mm -hmm. um, and positives um so as i said a lot of my clients are already quite resilient um and a lot of the time they don't recognize that um so they've already been through a lot of hardships and um, and struggle, um, but they sort of don't uh, get the get the opportunity to recognise that and go, okay, well, I have sort of done all these things already, um, and you know, once you're able to to help them realise that they've done it once, um, you know, they feel more prepared to do it again and um, sort of yeah, just gain a little bit of belief in themselves and their ability to do things. I think you you've nailed something on the head there, and I, I spoke about this exact same concept in the episode with with Lockie Stewart around people recognizing their resilience um, during times of hardship as well. So you can often go through life on a bit of autopilot. Um, yeah. 
and we hit these hurdles and we fall flat on the ground and we're not sure how we're going to get up. But I think someone like yourself, like a recovery coach or, or a psychologist, counselor, or whoever, it's just a support person or a support network can just highlight to us, hey, you've done this before, you've got up before. And um, mm-hmm. these are the, some of the things that you did previously. It could have been talking to a GP. It could have been fixing your diet. It could have been going for exercise. It could be, you know, linking up with new networks or, or whatever it is. Um, to get over that hurdle in the past. Um, I, I really yeah. love this concept around resilience because it's something that we don't tune into a lot. We, we forget mm-hmm. we've got it and it is a, it is a huge strength to us. We, you know, it's the thing that keeps us going every day. And I always come back to this quote that we've survived 100% of our worst days and that's yeah. through, through resilience. Um, but you mentioned also before that you know, the resilience from some of your clients has, has worn off a little bit on you and into your day-to-day life. What's some examples that you can, you can give in regards to that? Um, so I've got a few clients um, that have um, not just, I guess, mental health um, sort of challenges. They've got physical elements to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got clients that experience like um, quite severe chronic pain um, or like acquired brain injuries from uh, it could be a range of things like assaults that have happened, unfortunately, or accidents. Um, so just, you know, they're in constant pain, like quite intense, sharp pain. Um, and they've also got things happening for them in terms of their mental health. But every day, you know, they wake up, they get on with their day. They try not to let that define them. Um, and that's, I just find it, you know, it's very inspiring, especially to to put things in perspective for myself, um, because sometimes I think um, you can get caught up in the things that you do in your own life. Mm. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's more of an inspiration thing where I can look at them and go, "Wow, that that's actually you know so courageous and brave of them to to continue to do that." Um, and you know especially it makes it puts things in perspective like those cold nights when I don't want to go to the gym yeah it's like okay well you know in 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 hindsight my the struggle of me getting out of bed and going to the gym is a lot less than what some people you know push themselves through and um do it, a lot of the time do it with a smile so yeah mm, mm. and do you find that the, the people that you work with do they have much networks around them or in some cases are you the only network that they've got um, yeah, so it's a bit of a spread. Um, some people have quite good um, family and sort of social networks. Um, and for other people, um, I'm sort of with, I guess, other services, um, the, uh, the only support. Um, so it's, it's definitely, you know, um, for those people, I, I always, and with all my clients, I always say, look, you know, um, even, if you're, even if you're sort of having a rough day and, um, you know, what sort of has triggered things for you is quite silly. Just give me a call um, and we can just have like a, have events or, you know, can talk about anything to sort of take your mind off it. I've got a client that'll call me and just talk about the football. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that helps to, you know, bring him back into the present and regulate him a bit more um, and sort of stop stressing and um, letting his anxiety take over his day. So that's something that I, I always offer to all of my clients is just say, look, um, I'm here. Just give me a call. Um, you know, we can talk through things. And I, I, yeah, I find they find that quite beneficial. And it's, yeah. I, I guess it's encouraging um, to just know that 
you know, you've got someone there that you can call and just talk through things with. Yeah, it sounds quite like quite a a flex, as you said earlier, flexible and and uh, informal type of support. Because I guess traditionally, if you were in the mental health system, you've got to wait for your appointment with your psych or or your social worker or your counsellor, and that could be weeks, if not months, sometimes. Yeah. Um, whereas you, a recovery coach, by the sound of it, and the service that you're providing is a little bit more hands on and and more immediate. Would that be right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, I usually will check in with clients, um, even without hearing from them. I'll just send them a text and say, hey, how's your weekend? Like, how are things going? Like, do you want to catch up over the phone um, the next day or so? Um, and it's, it's really like having a friend, really, um, to help you through sort of the NDIS and um, getting supports. Um, and even just um, sort of venting about things that, are, that aren't sort of going too well for you at the moment. So yeah. I find um, it's quite accessible um, and it's consistent. Um, so it's quite easy to, you know, work with clients and get those positive outcomes. I guess I always um, tell my clients that, um, you know, mental health, uh, like life, it's always going to be a roller coaster. Um, so you're going to have the extreme ups and downs, but um, it's just about, I guess, taking, like celebrating when you get a win um, in life um, and, you know, not getting too down and, and talking to the right people when you are in that sort of that down. Yeah. And that message really shines through in the One Good Day Instagram page. That's how, how I connected with One Good Day and, and vice versa is some of the, that. It's just simple messaging that we forget about that can just turn a, a bad day or the downwards path on a roller coaster start to go up up again as well. Um, yeah. But tell us a bit about One Good Day and, um, you know, some of the things that they're doing. Yeah, so One Good Day is uh, like a, an organisation of um, psychosocial recovery coaching. Um, so essentially their, their goal is to provide, I guess, like a, a judgment-free um, experience um, where you can access a recovery coach um, as a support. Um, but One Good Day is an organisation. Um, I really can't speak highly enough of them, um, especially just as um, an employee. It's definitely the most um, sort of positive um, work experience I've had to date. Um, and they're very, um, I guess, engaged in the lives of our clients. Um, we want the absolute, you know, their priority number one, um, making them feel heard, um, and listen to is, I guess, the main priority. Um, but I think the the big message behind One Good Day, as you said, um, is that um, the nice little asterisk next to the the good um, means that that's interchangeable. So you know, you're always going to have a day that where it's it's bad, or mm. you might go as far as saying it's you know it's an awful day. But it's sort of about being able to bounce back. Um, and come back from that and and make sure like even if you're just having you know the one good day in a week at least you know that's it's an improvement um and you know trying to i guess get the the best out of your life and make life fulfilling and positive as much as it can be yeah i love that asterisk on on their marketing as well because it, it did remind me of like there, there was a one dark day that i saw recently and 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 as you said, it's it is very much a roller coaster. So one day, or it could be one week or one month or one year, like you're going really well. Yeah. And then the next day you're not. 
or it could be like a zigzag effect. You know, it could be one day great, one day bad, one day great, one day bad, and and it really is that roller coaster ride that you know, it totally throws us uh, as people off, and and even the supports around people. So you know, living with mental illness myself, when I'm and I've been going through a bit of a roller coaster recently. Sometimes it's hard for my wife to gauge where I'm where I'm at. Um, yeah. you know, am I up or down today? And um, I guess it's it's holding on to that hope that yeah things do get better and that knowledge that things do get better with time. Um, it's just about finding those little things each day that you know pep us up. It could be a chat with a recovery coach, could be a cup of tea, even just getting out of bed, having a shower, and, and yeah. you know, making your bed, something like that. Something so small and simple can really start to turn the tide and and move things forward. Um, yeah, definitely. But you mentioned a, a good coach there at one good day of of, of other recovery coaches is it just recovery coaching that they provide or they provide other supports as well um so they've got i guess you'd call it like a um like a sister organization um which is one it's on site mm -hmm. um so that's support coordination um and sort of the admin side of things as well yeah. um so i'd say it's it is predominantly um psychosocial recovery coaching uh, but there's a lot of different sort of elements and roles that goes into, I guess, making um, the organisation and psychosocial recovery coaching work as a whole. Um, I think just going back to sort of the one good day thing, I think the best part of it um, is, you know, acknowledging that um, even on your good days, you know, your recovery coach is going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and in turn, on your bad days, your recovery coach is still going to be there for you. Um, so I guess it's it's just very reassuring, um, and yeah, I've I've heard nothing sort of that, but good feedback. Yeah, wonderful. And and what's the team like? You mentioned it's got a bit a good team culture. Is it predominantly males, or is it a mix of males and female coaches? Yeah, so it's it's a mix of of both. Um, we've also sort of got a a good mix of um, you know different lived experiences and and expertise. Um, and it's it's very inclusive, so um, it's probably the most uh, I guess positive um, sort of workplace um, that I've like. It's yeah, it's just absolutely shattered my expectations of sort of what a workplace should be like. Um, it's just so inclusive, um, I guess, positive um, and supportive. Um, I yeah, I honestly can't speak any higher of it. Yeah, you mentioned lived experience. So we often talk about lived experience in the mental health space, but but also learned experience. So the learned experience is the going to uni or or, or the courses yeah. that we do to, to get the theories behind the practice, but also the lived experiences, like what you experienced in year six and seven. Um, people like me lived experiences 30 plus years. Um, some of the other coaches I'm assuming have got quite a wealth of lived experience. And I think that when you blend the two, it really helps connect with clients as well because they yeah. they can understand oh yeah you you do know what i'm feeling like or or you understand the things that i'm saying it's um that can be a really connecting experience i'd imagine for someone like yourself yeah definitely so i think in sort of the client matching process um it's definitely sort of taken into consideration as well what your previous experiences are and you know what your knowledge base is um, mm -hmm. and then you're sort of matched up with your with your client base um so i find a lot of the time you know it's i, I laugh with clients sometimes and and say look you're supporting my mental health as as much as i'm supporting yours 
Um, and although I laugh, so honestly, some days it's it's completely true. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I can have conversations with clients and, um, you know, without going to sort of in-depth with things, just, you know, it's I actually quite enjoy hearing what their experiences are and, you know, their strategies with dealing with things and, um, you know, trying those out myself. Um, because as, as I guess we both know, um, mental illness isn't something that you sort of, you know, take some medication or, or do a year of or rehab or something like that and it goes away. Mm. It's something that's, you know, it's consistent, um, can pop up, um, you know, when you least expect it, it sort of creeps up on you. Um, so I think it's really just about how you manage it. Um, so I think I've, um, and I, through a lot of my clients, I've picked up a lot of strategies that, you know, that have started to work for me as well in, yeah. I guess, managing my own mental health. Wonderful. And I guess that's that, it comes back to that shared experience of mental illness when you're through, I guess, that through that um, client connecting phase that you talked about or, you know, linkaging that also brings out that resilience component as well, where they're, they're talking out loud just through the art of conversation, a cup of tea or, or whatever it is. And all of a sudden they're saying, Oh, this is what I've done. And then at the end, they might go, Oh shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it sounds you know, the, the art of conversation, I guess that's probably the central to the role is conversation, being able to have a conversation with someone and, and not be too concerned about, you know, disability. I guess there's a lot of stigma around, um the the term disability and and some people shy away from it and and a bit it's a bit confronting particularly when we're talking about significant disability someone who's you know going through quite a significant acute phase for example um have you had any any situations where you've been confronted and you're not sure how to approach something and how did, did you maybe overcome that so yeah i guess as you said um Disability can be sort of quite a, a confronting word. Um, so I think, you know, the the most, the sort of the connotation that you draw upon when you hear disability, you automatically think of physical um, disability. Um, and quite often with uh, most of my clients, if you pass them in the street, you'd have no idea whatsoever mm. um, that, you know, um, a lot of them are struggling quite deeply with um with psychological um, sort of sort of challenges, um, so I think I always try and reinforce, even though you know they are labelled with um, the term disability, it doesn't have to define them um, and the person they are. It's just something that they you know uh, deal with on a daily basis, but it's not who they are. Um, the person they are is um, the person that wakes up and gets out of bed every morning. Um, you know, puts their shoes on and puts on a brave face and, and goes out to work or, or, you know, kicks their day off with a walk and that sort of thing. Um, so I think, you know, I'm, I'm very much um, as a, I've started taking the positives out of the negatives in my own life as well. Um, and I find if you focus in on the positives um, and sort of take the negatives as they come, um, you usually life sort of, sort of rolls around and you find it's quite, easy to deal with in a sense yeah um obviously you know there's there's always days that are that are worse and you sort of have to i guess endure them um but it's just about going through you know what works for you and that sort of thing yeah yeah and i guess 
another label like we in the mental health space we always talk about labels and and as you said like you're not the the label or the the, the name that someone's given you a lot of people might not even who might not even be on the ndis would be you know just living with mental illness more generally don't really like the, the label of having depression or living with anxiety or yeah. of compulsive disorder ptsd or whatever it is but then to add disability to that um i guess we're coming a long way in the disability space now that we've got um, people like dylan olcott the australian of the year who's championing yeah. disability and and trying to break down that stigma and and and, and so forth uh, you know, associated with the name um do you find anyone that you work with that really has strong views around labels and and um trying to overcome you know being labeled as someone with a disability or just being labeled as someone with mental illness look i to be honest i think um the majority of the people i share the office with sort of share the same views um you know i think um it's it's great especially i think um tyson fury um is has been a big one for me and a big inspiration um, so a lot of a lot of the comments that he's made and um, talks he's had about mental illness and his struggles um, have really resonated for me. Um, as he says, um, you know, you view the the heavyweight boxer um, champion of the world as you know the strongest man on earth. Um, you know, obviously, um, you don't expect them to have any struggles. Um, you know, they're rich. Um, mm successful uh, have fame and, and glory and sort of everything that you could ever want but um you know as as tyson fury talks about um it got to the you know his mental health got to the stage where he was putting on massive amounts of of weight from poor eating um was doing drugs um and even got to the the point where he sort of didn't want to be um around anymore um so i think um especially sort of after his sort of comeback from that um, I think, yeah, that's, that's something, you know, um, if, if it can happen to, you know, um, anyone like that, that's got, you know, money, anything, all the sort of worldly wants, it can happen to absolutely anyone. Um, and you know, you're not, you're not any lesser because you're affected by these things. Um, in fact, I'd argue that you're probably a lot more resilient, um, mm. and have a, have a lot more stronger of a character because, this is something you deal with um, and, you know, still um, go through life. Yeah. And you, that's a great point is that mental illness or psychosocial disability doesn't discriminate. It could happen to anybody yeah, exactly. um, yeah. from the people at the top of the world down to the bottom. And, and, and often the people that are like the people at the grassroots level, the people without support, the people that, you know, might be, you might be supporting don't have much money. They don't have much support networks around them. So the fact that they're still getting out of bed every day and, and doing the things that they need to do without all those other supports that someone who has a lot of money and has a lot of access to resources, um, I guess is a testament to the strength-based approach and the strength of people that live with mental illness as well. Um, and as you said, they're yeah. even perhaps more resilient, more strong than we give them credit for as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm really enjoying unpacking the recovery coach model is something as i said is new to me relatively new to me um something that we don't talk about very often uh, probably outside of the ndis space i imagine not many people have, have heard of recovery coaching as well um but what's some advice to someone that you could give today who 
they might be really struggling. Um, they haven't got a support network around them. Um, they're looking for someone to, like yourself, to, to come and help them out or be in their corner as well. Um, but they're not really quite ready to make that phone call. Um, yeah, what's some kind of advice that you could give to maybe encourage them to make that phone call? Yeah, um, so I suppose, um, obviously, I, I, you know, um, do sort of everything I could to, to encourage them to actually do make that phone call. Um, I mean, at the, at the absolute worst, you know, you're, you're losing maybe two, two to five minutes of your time. Um, but at the, at the absolute best, you know, you're putting yourself on um, a path to, to complete recovery um, and sort of it's a, another great support to have um, someone in your corner um, sort of, uh, you know, rooting for you, encouraging you, um, motivating you um, and sort of, you know, um, I wouldn't say I sort of push my clients along either. Um, I like to to think that I sort of walk alongside them as well. So it's not a, you know, um, I'm not going to go to your house and, and drag you out of bed every morning. Um, it's very much, you know, we work together. Um, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I work, you know, quite closely with their other supports um, and even, you know, their, their family and friends. Um, so I speak with a lot of uh, my clients, like their, their husbands or their wives or even their brothers and sisters and their, their mums and dads. Um, so it's, it's a really, you know, a team-based approach. Um, it's not, um, you know, um, I wouldn't say it's, yeah, as I said, it's not pushing them along. It's saying, look, this is, this is you know, um, where you are at the moment, at your absolute lowest, you know. Um, it, obviously, it's, it's not how the rest of your life has to be. Mm -hmm. um at least let's you know let's give it a go um let's let's try and make things a bit more positive for you wonderful and you mentioned before that one good day is now every state and territory except for northern territory is that right yeah correct so i believe as early as sort of the start of last week um they just opened up another team in adelaide oh cool and is so it easy to, easy to get in contact or yeah yeah definitely um so you can depending on you know what your area is um you can call the relevant um number um and the admin team are great they'll pick up your call straight away and um, talk you through and explain everything and i imagine that given it's part of the ndis that there's also other providers out there as well that if someone rings up one good day and it's not a good fit it doesn't stop them from getting support elsewhere would that be right yeah, exactly right. So there's obviously other um, organisations that you can access that will offer uh, offer sorry um, recovery coaching um, or even support coordination, um, which you know can set up your um, all of your supports like your support workers and stuff that is less I guess focused on mental health. Yeah, cool, wonderful. Well, Jake, I've really enjoyed unpacking what a recovery coach is um, i love one good days the way that they advertise in, in the social media space it's something that i'm passionate about through mindful men as well um, yeah. but this is this is now your time to shine and um, i mean you've been shining for the whole episode but um, <laughs> it's your time to maybe plug something that you know, like a resource maybe or, or something that's a good listen or a good book or something good watch maybe something that your clients enjoy or that you enjoy or someone from the team enjoys? Yeah, so I guess um, obviously a quick sort of plug to my, to my organisation. 
um, and probably, um, you know, to sort of my, my supervisors, um, Lisa and Simon, um, they're, they've, they've been great um, so far. Um, but in terms of sort of like uh, mental health, I find personally, um, and it's a bit of a weird one, I never um, sort of thought I'd get to the stage where um, I find like quotes um, and even just little poems um, quite sort of inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I catch myself even um, like even before the gym, like I'll, I'll watch like a sort of inspiring YouTube video um, and it sort of, you know, really picks me up for the day and um, it, gets, it gets my mind thinking um, and I find when I occupy my mind with, you know, positive thinking, um, even if I'm, I haven't completely taken in what it says, um, it means I'm not dwelling on the negatives for me at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I think, you know, you can take a lot from, um, you know, quotes and poets um, and that sort of thing. Do you have a go-to quote that you love? Um, I've, I've actually got one on my wall. Um, I might pull it down quickly. Um, it's this one here. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Um, it's, um, I think the poem's called The Man in the Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say look that one. It's very good. Um, it's not the most, um, like the easiest read. Um, but essentially, um, I guess the, the brunt of it is um, that sort of it doesn't matter, um, you know, what anyone else is sort of saying about you and your experiences. Um, the sort of um, everything comes back to the man that's actually in the arena um, and is going through the, the battle, whether that be, you know, in life or in your head. Um, yeah, it's just about, you know, empowering yourself and you know, um, not buying too much into, into what other people think. Yeah, wonderful. I love it. I'm gonna. I'll look it up and I'll um, put the put a link to it if I can find it. Yeah, in, in the show notes below, and also for one good day as well. But, but Jake, thanks so much for your time today. I know you're a very busy man. Um, I'm sure you've got lots of clients to give a call to and go have a cup of tea with. Um, yeah. Really do appreciate time and and have really enjoyed our chat talking about recovery coaching. No, thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode and I hope you got some value from it. If anything triggered your mental health today, please reach out to your support networks. Also, if you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your mates. For more from Mindful Men, you can check us out on Instagram and YouTube and I'll throw the links to these pages in the show notes below. But until next time, stay mindful.